I didn't realize I had to be up first. So I'm, I'm Joy. I'm the associate pastor here at Christ. And uh, Roger has traveled to the far country of Silvis. He's in worship with them this morning. And I get to be here with all of you. Uh, one one uh, announcement I want to be sure announced to this particular uh, worship service is that on February 5th, uh, if you have a student that's interested in being confirmation class, where you learn about what it means to be a member of the church, we're going to be starting those classes. For those who are interested, it could be middle school or high school, and they'll be meeting with me uh, on a weekly basis. So if you have any interest or questions about that, you can see me about that. There's a couple of Bible studies that are going to be starting this uh, in 2020. Um, that's one that I'm going to be doing on Thursday night, starting February 6th. And then uh, there's a new Bible study, The Parables of Jesus, taught by Dean Sutton for men. That will be on Saturday mornings. You might want to check that one out. Carbon Cliff Campus will have a chili supper on February 7th, which is a Friday night. And then the next Friday night will be Valentine's Day. So you can have two Friday night fun stuff planned two weeks in a row. Um, the one that's on, um, on Valentine's Day is not, not for couples, okay? I mean, you can come as a couple, but we're not talking about sweethearts. We are just celebrating God's love. So anybody can come, and you can come as a, a single, or you can come as a group of friends, um, you don't have to come with a with a um, a spouse or a girlfriend boyfriend kind of thing, because we're not we're not going there with our Valentine's Day party. This is just to celebrate God's love for us, and Mulkey's is going to cater it, so nobody has to be in the kitchen. And um, what we do is we'll have that meal time together. We're going to be over in the Family Life Center, and then if people who want to, you know, they can just come for the meal and leave. But if you want to come hang out with me the rest of the night, I've got some cool pl games planned and lots of door prizes and stuff. So um, the information about that is um, in the bulletin, but also, I mean, out in the narthex, I put up a little basket with heart lights on it, and you can grab that information if you wanna sign up. You do have to, to tell me ahead of time you're coming and, and pay for the ticket, because I have to call pay Milky's that night um, for the, the meal. So that's all in the works. And then one thing I wanted to let you know couple weeks ago, really bad weather on a Saturday night. And um, Eamon and Callan Paquette and their family were here to do the music. And it was awesome. And there were six of us in the sanctuary that got to enjoy it. So we're going to try it again this coming Saturday night. And all of them play. Um, Eamon even had uh, Emery up with his little um, uh, mandolin playing a song. And Annabelle had some solos. And uh, they sang together as a family. It was just a really cool night, and nobody got to enjoy it except, you know, six special people, which me included. So we thought it would be nice to share that again, and they're willing to come back and do that again. So um, that will be this coming, or on February 1st on that Saturday. So I wanted you to be aware of that. Uh, Karen, I think you got an announcement, but maybe you can do that during the small talk time, and that'll work. We want to start and get into a worship. We are glad if you are visiting with us that you would come and be a part of our church family today. And we are in that midst of a special series called The Life and Times of Jesus, The Early Years. And we're going to be focusing on the, the one account in the book of Luke about Jesus when he was 12 years old and uh, what happened to him in that setting. So let's begin with uh, worship. If you want to stand up and just look around at the people that are around you and say, boy, I'm glad you got here today. Wasn't it nice that it wasn't ice underneath the parking lot? And then we'll start with worship. This bump. This bump. Hey, she's... What's the matter? Come in. Long distance time. Let's join our voices together and worship the King of Kings, Lord of Lords this morning. He loves us so much he's brought us to his house. Let's join our voices together. Who breaks the power? Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty 
and so much stronger the king of glory the king above all kings who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder who leaves us breathless in awe and wonder the king of glory the king above all kings amazing grace this is amazing grace this is unfailing love and you would take my place then you would bear my cross you laid down your life that i would be set free oh jesus i sing for all that you've done for me who brings our chaos back into order who makes the orphans a son and daughter the king of glory the king of glory who rules the nations with truth and justice shines like the sun in all of its brilliance the king of glory the king above all kings this is amazing grace this is unfailing love that you would take my place then you would bear my cross you laid down your life that i would be set free oh jesus i sing for all that you've done for me worthy is the lamb worthy is the lamb who was slain Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Sing it out, church. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy, worthy. Yes. 
us so much that you came and died that we might live eternally Lord as we sing about you being the cornerstone Lord help us to understand how important it is to seek you daily to sing and worship and praise you daily to give you honor and glory for you alone are worthy our hope is built on nothing less. Yeah. 
rest on His unchanging grace. In every high and stormy ago I had had something happen at work that was very offensive to me personally and I said in my own soul that is not ever happening again and I'm I'm calling it out but at the time I was so angry that I knew that I was not in the right frame of mind to deal with it so I just zipped a lip and I and I thought about it over the weekend and I knew that it needed to be addressed um, the following Monday so in my mind, I did way more thinking about how I was going to tell her um, than I should have. I should have been praying about her and helping me to think how to, to love her in that place. So I, it still wasn't resolved in my own heart how, what I was going to do. And Sunday morning, I was leading worship. We got to the Lord's Prayer. And I got to that part in the prayer that says, Forgive me my trespasses as I forgive those who trespass against me. And it was just like God was yelling at me. It was so loud in my heart and in my mind. And it completely changed how I presented my concerns to my coworker. And, and it was a good finish. And the grace that I get, I was able to give into her life. And we had a better relationship working in that place since. So I just want you to know, when we're going to finish our prayer time together, praying the Lord's Prayer, it's really easy to just say the words. But I, I would encourage you to try to pray the words and hear yourself as you're praying. Let God speak into you those places in that prayer that you need to, to hear in a fresh way. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this incredible privilege you give to us that we could actually talk to you, the one who makes the mountains and the oceans, who knows all about gravity and electricity and, and all of the things that are just on the tip of the edge of what we would understand. Lord, you created everything, 
and you are worshipped 24-7 in heaven, and yet, and yet, you would allow us the privilege to speak to you, to have a voice that is heard by you. And we have such that, that time to be together and to hear you speak into our lives through the, the reading of the scripture and um, the opportunity to, to think about it and see how it applies in our lives. So, oh Lord, I just pray you would open our hearts and our minds as we're getting ready to be in that part of our worship. But, Lord, we also come to this place where we, when we walked in that door, there were burdens that we had in hearts. There are places that we feel that we need to be intercessing in prayer for loved ones, for co-workers, for neighbors, for friends. There's that place, Lord, that we have just carried these burdens all week long, and we just need a rest from them. And so we're in a pause in this time of worship to just um, be still in your presence, but also just let people share into your throne room the prayer requests that they have in their heart. So, Lord, I, I just stop talking and allow those who are my brothers and sisters in the Lord to lift their prayer concerns to you. Lord, hear our prayers. Lord, we pray for those that have lifted a concern. We also pray um, in, in affirmation for the prayers that were prayed quietly, silently within our own minds. We also pray, Lord, for those who wrote down prayer requests and that they have been taken to the chapel this morning and will be prayed for uh, throughout the week. Lord, hear our prayers. Thank you that you are willing, able to listen and to answer each prayer in the wisest ways, in your perfect timing. And together we pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. We've been in this series about um, the early life of Jesus, and this particular um, sermon is on Jesus when he was 12 years old. I would like for us, before we get into the scripture that's printed in the bulletin, I'd just like for you to turn your Bible, open your Bibles, and be in the, um, the first book of the New Testament, which is the book of Matthew, and it's the 13th chapter. I want to show you something. Um, it's not going to be up on the screen because I, I really, you know, it's real easy for us to get kind of, um, um, how can I say, convenience-oriented. And I think sometimes it's good to have the Bible in our hand and really open it up to hear the Scripture and to see it. There's something about the seeing and the hearing and um, visualizing of it. If you're um, looking for Matthew 13, you'll find it on page 980 in the Pew Bible, chapter 13 of Matthew. On page 980, there's two columns. I'm going to be starting at the top of the right-hand column where it says, A Prophet Without Honor. It's verse 53. And Heavenly Father, we hold your holy word in our hand. Help us, Lord, never to take it for granted. And as we read it, Lord, that we would see a fresh word, a fresh message from you this day. In your name I pray this. Amen. When Jesus had finished these parables, he moved on from there. Coming to his hometown, which would be Nazareth, he began teaching the people in their synagogue, and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers? Ah, there they are listed. James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. Jesus had four brothers. Aren't all his sisters with us? Okay, so he had more than one sister. When it says all the sisters, my, I think it's more than two. There's, a, there's a, a lots of sisters. When, when did this man get all these things? And they looked, took offense at him. 
But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town and in his own home. A prophet is not in honor except in his own town and his own home. Do you realize, and it says later on in the book of John, I could point it out to you, that Jesus' brothers didn't believe in him. They didn't think he was anything special. He was just the oldest. And it wasn't until after Jesus died on the cross and rose up from the grave that James believed he is who he said he was. And we have the book of James in the New Testament because that's his brother that wrote it. And if you go a little bit further on, you'll get right before you get to the book of Revelation, which is the last book in the New Testament, there's a one-page letter by the man named Jude, and that was also one of Jesus' brothers. My guess is it was Judas who didn't want to be known as Judas because who wants that name after what Judas did? So he went by Jude, and he wrote those two books. So we have those two books in um, our New Testament because of Jesus' brothers. They were stepbrothers to him. They both all had the, um, the same mother. So now I just want to give you a little bit more uh, history to help frame up before we start this story today. So if you go Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, those are the four Gospels. Then right behind that is the only history book in the New Testament, and that's the book of Acts. So if you go there, so you're going to have to go back a little further in the Bible. Acts chapter 1, it will be on page 1090. So it's not too far from where we were at. 1090. And we're again going to be on the second column on the right-hand side. And I'm going to start where it, uh, it actually says Matthias chosen to replace Judas, but we're not going to get that far in it. Uh, but we're going to read the first three verses. Then the apostles, verse 12, then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. Now this is after the resurrection. Okay, this is after the resurrection. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. And those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer. Look who's there. Along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. His family finally got it. They were there. So that is part of the framework that we need to know before we start. Now, the book of, of Luke was written not by one of Jesus' disciples, but someone who was in the early church who was a follower of, of Jesus and who probably uh, wrote the book of Luke um, because he traveled with, with Paul, and when Paul was in prison in Rome, he was awaiting trial. And Luke traveled a lot a lot with, with, um, Luke, with Paul. That's why we have the book of Acts, because he wrote about those travels. But he was someone who was getting ready for the trial of Jesus in front of the emperor, and he was writing and documenting that everything that, that Paul said about Jesus was really true. And he hadn't done anything wrong. He was trying to set up this defense about telling who Jesus was to prove that Paul was right. And he didn't, he didn't deserve to be in prison. So because he was in that place of legality, he was, he was uh, taking testimony. He was, what do you call him, a deposition? He was deposing people and writing down things that they knew about Jesus. And because he was a part of the early church, and we know Mary was a part of the early church, he knew her. Luke knew her. And he wrote down what she knew about Jesus. And let me tell you, we know that for a fact because when we hear these stories about Jesus in his early days, almost every one of the stories it says, and Mary treasured and pondered these things in her heart. Why in the world would he wrote that down? If he hadn't talked to Mary and said, oh, let me tell you, I'll never forget this. Do you have some of those kind of members? I'll never forget this. Something that somebody has said to you. One of those that for me, one of those uh, memory makers. And you know, when you get up in the morning and you have one of those memory makers happen during the day, you never see them coming, right? One day I was sitting on my couch in Muhammad, Illinois, 
I'll never forget this. In his living room, I was on the end of the couch. I was using the end of the couch to write. I was in my prayer journal. I was writing about an invitation I'd been given by the district superintendent to go be the pastor of two small churches by myself. No Roger, just me. Oh, scary. And as I was writing in that journal, Samuel came and plopped himself, uninvited, down on the couch, on the other end of the couch. And he folds his arm, he goes, when are you going to start preaching again? And I said, well, come to think of it, I am right now thinking about accepting this invitation to be a pastor of this church. But I don't know that that's a good idea, because that means I have to give up, get up on Sunday morning, I'm going to my churches, your and dad are at the other church, I don't know that's a good idea for us to be all split up every Sunday morning. And he goes, well, I'll tell you, Mom, and this is a quote, when you preach, I get it, and you need to start preaching again. I never forgot it. I can, I, even now, I can hear him saying that to me. Those places that they treasure in your heart, you know them. You, as a parent, you have those moments, and you'll never, ever forget them. This is one of those moments for Mary, and she shared that story with Luke. It is the only place in the New Testament you can find this story. So would you turn with me uh, a couple of pages over to Luke chapter 2, and we are going to be at the end of that, um, that chapter, starting with verse 41. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. Okay, it's important that you remember this. Every year they did this. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. And after the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. And when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple court, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Okay, just that beginning of that story, it says every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem. You and I don't get this, but people who back then were reading it would get this. Because in Scripture, in the Old Testament, the Torah said that if you were a man, you had to go to Jerusalem three times a year for the festivals. And one of those was Passover. didn't say anything about women. That was not a mandatory attendance. So for Mary... To be in that place where she was willing to be in that travel. And it was a five-day journey. And we're not talking about jump in the car and go. It was a five-long-day, sometimes dangerous journey to get to Jerusalem from Nazareth. And she was willing to do that. <coughs> Their whole family went. Now, I don't know about you, but we used to have a family trip every year that we went. And... And we had certain places that we liked to stop and eat. We had certain snacks we always carried in the car with us. There were certain people that we would meet, and we'd look forward to being there. And we hated it when the day, would, when the time was over, and we had to go back. It would be another whole year before we got to do that again. Do you know what I'm talking about? When I go to Indiana for a family gathering, we always stop on 74, exit 4. We're going to eat at the beef house. You just don't, you don't go into Indiana unless you eat at the beef house. Right? right? And you better have a package of red licorice in the car because that's what you travel with. Right? You've got them. Well, they probably had that kind of thing too. They traveled as a group. We noticed later in the story they're with family, with friends. So they traveled in a group, which was not out of the ordinary because most times when you traveled in those kind of days, bandits were out there, wild animals were out there. The best thing you could do when you travel is to travel with a group. Right? 
You go into unfamiliar territory, you don't know it, you want to be with the group. It's a lot safer in numbers. So they traveled with the group, and they probably had a certain well along the road they knew always was with coldest water and always tasted good. It wouldn't make you sick. Okay? they know those wells along the way. They would know where was a good place to camp out for the night. If they could just get to that place by the night, then that, they would be safe. They would know places they could get some extra food along the way to get us through the, to, to the Passover in Jerusalem. They had that journey for 12 years. They had been doing this with Jesus, his mom and dad, and, and his brothers and sisters. So they were there. They were celebrating it, and now it was time to go home. It gives us another little detail that, that really helps explain how he got distanced from them. It really explains it. He's 12. Okay? It's that place in a Jewish life where you're on the edge between being a boy and being considered a man. He was right there next to that bar mitzvah time. Bar mitzvah, bar meaning son, mitzvah being law. You were a son of the law which meant that you had been to synagogue, you had memorized scripture, you knew right from wrong, and from the moment that you had your bar mitzvah, people saw that you were accountable for your own actions from then on, because you knew better. If you went and did anything against God, you had to be called into, into a judgment over it. You were responsible, like an adult. So here they are, he's on the edge of that. The women and children always, we know from cultural times, the women and children travel together. They would go first. The men would follow up, kind of be protective of anything that would come and sneak, try to sneak up from behind. So here was Jesus. He'd always been with the, the kids and the, and the women, the moms. But this is this line. Maybe, maybe that's how he got left behind. Because they, Mary thought he was with Joseph. He was now considered a, one of the guys. And so he traveled that way. And then Joseph thought, well, he, one last year, we'll let him be with the, with the girls and his cousins and stuff, and we'll let him travel there. So they traveled the whole day and didn't realize that he wasn't somewhere. That happened to Roger one time. He was the littlest. Aunt and uncle and a whole bunch of cousins showed up for the weekend at their house. They all went to church together, and they had took three cars to get them all to church. And everybody thought he was in somebody else's car. And they got, all got home, and he was still at the church. Nobody thought to pick him up. Everybody else thought somebody else was going to do it. It happened to him twice. <laughs> Second time, he called home and said, you've done it again. <laughs> it happens. Remember that movie, Home Alone? You know it can happen. It can happen. And there's also that place that I wonder if Jesus said, I'm going back to the temple. And they didn't get it that he meant, and I'm staying there. Do you understand in this scripture it says he didn't get left behind. He stayed behind. It's purposeful. It wasn't an accident that he stayed behind. So Mary and Joseph, they're heading back. They're taking their own safety and putting it as low priority. And the two of them are heading back to Jerusalem a whole day journey. And my guess is they didn't wait till the next morning. They were traveling back in the darkness of night, which had been the most dangerous time. They get back to Jerusalem, and they search for Jesus everywhere. And it says in Scripture, she testimony, her testimony is, we were anxiously searching for you. I looked up the word, the Greek, the original. That anxious word means severe panic. Just a real anxiety. Anxiously, anxious, worry, 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 panic. There's only two other places in the whole New Testament that particular word is used. And one of them in particular is uh, when Paul was getting ready to leave on a missionary journey and they knew it would be dangerous and his friends prayed for him along the shoreline as he was getting in the boat to leave. And it says they were anxious because they didn't know if they would ever see him again. Take that, take that, and put it back in our story. Mary and Joseph, anxiously, panic anxious. Maybe they would never see Jesus again. What had happened to him? So they search, and they search, and they search, and they finally find him. And he says, didn't you know that I would be in my father's house? 
I check seven, seven different translations, and none of them come up a different way. Mary was ticked. <laughs> she was so mad. All that anxiety, and you put me in that place. But let me ask you something. Where in the world did they look for Jesus that they didn't go to the temple first? Have you ever thought about that? Where did they go? Did they get to the gates of Jerusalem and say, okay, you go that way, I'll go this way, and we'll meet up on the other side? What in the world did they do all day? Where did they look? Did they look in the marketplace? Did they go to the friends and different places that they knew in Jerusalem and said, have you find Jesus? Did you find Jesus? I mean, I don't know for sure what they did, that they didn't go to the temple first. If nothing else, to go there and pray and ask people to help, it didn't seem like a very smart move to me as I thought about that. And then, and then, that place where when you're always pointing your finger at somebody, there's three of them pointing back at you. You accuse somebody of something, how much can that same judgment that you put on somebody else ought to come back to me? And as I thought about the scripture, I think of the times that I have been lost from God. And I can't find him. And I'm in that place of where in the world do I look for Jesus? And oftentimes, it's because I've just walked off and left him behind. It's not a great illustration, but it was an illustration that happened just this past week. I um, happened to have uh, an opportunity, so I put my uh, tennies on and I went over and walked the track, the walking track, and thought, well, this would be a great time to pray about things at church. And for a month... I've been trying to figure out how to get a new person to be in music ministry at the Silvis campus because the gentleman that was doing that for us on a regular basis is retired and had a lot of health issues. And for a month, I've been racking my brains and calling everybody I can think of that uh, teaches piano or has friends that are in piano. I can't find anybody to, to help us out over there. And as I was walking the track, I realized, you know, God, I'm sorry. I've been trying to deal with this on my own. I haven't thought to ask you for help. And over the weekend, after I'd prayed about it, I have some now some fresh possibilities of someone that would, would be able to step into that ministry role. But how many times do we just frantically go around in circles instead of looking for Jesus to be in this place that we are at? If you are hearing this and it's resonating in you that you are lost from Jesus, then know that you are in a good place right now. Because in Jeremiah uh, 29, 13, there's a scripture that's a promise. And God says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. It's a promise. He's not going to hide from you. But he's also in places that you can find him. And one of the best places to find him is in the Holy Word of God. And I know how hard it is to find time in the, the life, the speed that we go, to um, have regular times in the Bible. And I just want you to know that um, there's lots of these out in the, the hallway. And this is a great place to start. It's not the only place. It's a great place. But it gets you in the Bible every day. And open up the word and remember who God is. Now, who, you know what? These started on January 1. We've had crummy weather on Sundays. This may be your first chance to know that these are available. Who wants one? All right. Okay. Good, 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 good. Who else? Who else? I got plenty. Okay. There you go. All right. Where else? Oh, that one was yours. There you go. All right. Now, you were supposed to have one. Okay. There you go. That was good. Okay. Who else needs one? Who else needs one? Because I know it's hard to remember. It's clear down on the other end of the hall. We've got to figure out a way. I've got uh, some more. Some more. Okay, good, good, good. Okay, I won't hurt you. Okay. <laughs> Who else? Who else needs one? Okay, okay, here we go. Gently. Okay, good, good, good. You want to find Jesus in your heart? Then get the word in there because he, thank you for taking one. That is so awesome. Who else needs one? Okay. Anybody else? All right, good, 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 good. They do nobody any good hanging on the wall. 
Everybody else got one? Woohoo! Okay, those are two freebies. All right. If you already got one, give it to somebody else. I'm just telling you, the Holy Scripture is alive and active, and I don't care how many thousands of years ago, it still speaks into your heart. If you're willing to open it up and read it on a daily basis, let God speak to you in it. And the other place is right here in church. Almost every Sunday morning, we pray. I mean, we pray every Sunday morning, but almost every Sunday morning when we're praying down there, we pray that families get here. That whatever is happening at your house that is making you feel like, this is not worth it. This is too big a hassle to get everybody's shoes and socks and snow boots and pants and everything, and, and nobody is cooperating, and we're probably going to get there late, that you will do it anyway. That you will come. We pray that for the people who have depression, who are in grief, who are struggling somehow in a relationship, and there's a place of you that says, I don't feel like being in church. You understand that that is a place where the devil loves to kite, go ahead, just stay home. But I'm telling you, because it's happened to me, and often pastors, I get paid to be here, so I have to be here. But there are days I do not want to come because something is going on. But let me tell you, those are also the Sundays when it's over. I think, okay, I really needed to be here because something that was said was exactly what I needed to hear. I'm just telling you. I feel like I'm, I'm talking to the choir a little bit because you're all here. But you know people who are here that aren't here today. And maybe you haven't seen them for a few weeks. Maybe, maybe you could call and say to them, I noticed you haven't been here. We're missing you. Is something going on that's you know, been a problem? Or is there a reason why you haven't been able to come? Do you, can you care? Do you understand that almost not, I would say, 80% of the people who leave the church, one of their... Uh, excuses will be say, well, we didn't come for a really long time and nobody ever called and said we missed you. Nobody even seemed to notice we were gone. And folks, it is a burden I carry, but I cannot remember everybody. I can't carry that load by myself. You know the folks that are usually sitting around you, because you get in that, we already had a conversation with Lori and Matt today, like, well, they're coming and then we're going to sit where somebody usually sits. I tick somebody off. <laughs> you're in my seat. But you know what? I know where you usually sit. And if you're not there, I know you're missing. So think about it. The people who sit around you, is there anybody missing that maybe needs a word? They're, they're lost from the Lord right now, and you could help call them back. Another place to find Jesus is in serving other people. Because when you serve other people, he says, you serve me. And there's that place where in the food pantry or in the tutoring program and those places where we serve other people, we can give you testimony after testimony about how Jesus shows up in those places. So I ask you to think about where you need to find Jesus in, in a new and a deeper way this day. Do you know that this story has the first quote from Jesus. You know, there's Bibles you can get out that have the red letters. These are all the things Jesus said. Well, this is the first quote we have of Jesus, and it is, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Not Joseph's house, in my father's house. You understand that this story took place during this, the Passover, which was the, the festival every year to remind them that on the night when the death angel went over Egypt, all those Hebrew homes that had killed a lamb and put the blood of the lamb on the doorposts and over the top of the door, when the death angel passed over, those homes, the firstborn, were safe. They did not die. And they woke up in the morning, they heard weeping and mourning all over Egypt because the firstborn in every Egyptian household had died. They celebrated that they had been redeemed, that they had been saved, that they, they 
believed that God was the one who made a way through the Red Sea when there seemed no way. They had been delivered from death. They had been delivered from their chains of slavery. And 21 years later, at Passover, Jesus will be about his father's business by dying on the cross and becoming the lamb that would shed his blood. 21 years later, after this story, Jesus would be about his father's business. When we think about Jesus and uh, his parents, it says in Scripture, they didn't understand what he was saying. Well, let's think about that a little bit. When, when uh, the, the first conception of the womb, of Mary's womb with Jesus, there was an angel Gabriel that came to announce to Mary this incredible miracle was going to happen to her. And then it wasn't but a few weeks later that Elizabeth would endorse that and say, God told me the same thing. Your son will be my Messiah. And then the shepherds came to them with this incredible story about the whole heavens being full of angels and them being told to come and worship this baby Jesus that would be the Messiah, Emmanuel. And then the kings came and they offered the gifts. And Anna and Simeon in the temple had said, we, God told us, this is this special son. He is your son. He is the Messiah. And then it's been over a decade. And they forgot. They forgot about this, that Jesus would be about his father's business. So if he had said, I need to be about my father's business, and they'd been in Nazareth, and it was just an ordinary day around the table, somebody would say, yeah, pass the mashed potatoes. We'll keep going. But because they had this experience, you know, Mary and Joseph's like, why did you put us through this? Because you needed a wake-up call. You needed this ugly experience to get your mind in a place that you could receive the message, I'm about my father's business. I am who I am called to be. You know, when you have things that go wrong in life and you're like, God, why did you let this happen? At least in my life, every time one of those things happens like that, there's that place that after it's over and I see Jesus in a new and a deeper way, I see that God used it to draw me in and get my attention in a way he couldn't any other way. So we have this promise that if we seek him with our whole heart, we will find him. And Mary pondered in her heart what Jesus said. Now, when they left Jerusalem to go home, it was going to be five days, just the three of them. I don't know about any of you, but sometimes the deepest conversations I have with someone, and especially my, my sons, is when I would be driving them to some place, and we would be in the car together, and we're both looking out the windshield, not looking at each other, but we have some incredible, deep conversation as we drive along. I wonder what Mary and Joseph and Jesus talked about on that road, that five days back to Nazareth. As you get up from your place today, and as you head out that door, you head home. I wonder what you and Jesus would be talking about. What will you talk about this week? Where will you allow Jesus to come back into your life and be present you have that assurance that he is with you. If you seek him, you will find him when you seek him with all your heart. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your promise, and you never break your promise. You are um, part of our, our truth. You are that place where we know it will never change that you, what you say in your word is what we can stand on, what we can build our lives on. And I pray, Father, for those who, um, for the first time, for in maybe a week or a few weeks, are going to get back in the word and open it up and have that time with you.
And I pray, Lord, that you will walk with people during the day and they will see you showing up in their workplace and in their homes and in their ministries. Father, it's so easy for us to just wander off from you and forget to make sure you're with us. Help us not to do that this week or in the weeks ahead. And we pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen. God is good. All the time. time. Let's stand and praise him. The splendor of the King Clothed in majesty Let all the earth rejoice Let all the earth rejoice He wraps himself in light And darkness tries to hide Trembles at his voice, trembles at his voice. How great is our God. Sing with me, how great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. Sing with me. 